This is a Reconstructionist Radio production. Please visit GaryNorth.com forward slash free books to download this book as a PDF. Through New Eyes Developing a Biblical View of the World James B. Jordan Copyright 1988 Published by Wolgamoth and Hyatt Brentwood, Tennessee 7. Trees and Thorns Trees arrest our attention in the earliest chapters of the Bible. We are told not only that the Garden of Eden was planted with all kinds of trees, but that there were two special trees in its center, the Tree of Life and the Tree of Knowledge of Good and Evil. Adam's interaction with these two trees almost doomed humanity had not the shoot of Jesse come to die on the tree of the cross. As a result, God's people can be replanted and flourish like a tree firmly planted by streams of water which yield its fruits in its seasons, and its leaf does not wither. Psalm 1 verse 3 The trees of Eden are said to be good for food, but also delightful to look at. Genesis 2 verse 9 In other words, in terms of their appearance they were glorious. Lovely trees are, then, but one more emblem of the glory of God in the world. Because of man's sin, however, the ground would yield ugly thorns as well as splendid trees. Genesis 3, verse 18. Though this is not explicitly said, the symbolic structure of Genesis 3 and 4 makes it plain that man, himself made of earth, would yield sons who are like trees and thorns, and thus we have a tree, Abel, and a thorn, Cain. The Bible continues to picture the unrighteous as thorns, as in Judges 9, verse 14 through 15. Such bramble men imposed their curse on our Lord when they gave him a crown of thorns. Matthew 27, verse 29. Trees as Provision As we notice, Genesis 2 speaks of trees as providing both food and beauty. In terms of food, we can look back at Genesis 1, verse 29, where God had said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree in which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. It shall be food for you. These two categories of food plants were established on the third day of creation, when God said, Let the earth sprout grass, herbs yielding seed, fruit trees bearing fruit after their kind. Genesis 1 verse 11 Although there are other things we eat as well, such as leaves and tubers, the Bible takes special notice of grain, seed, and fruit. Grain and fruit are processed into bread and wine. Melchizedek gave bread and wine to Abram. Joseph encountered a baker and a cupbearer in prison, and eventually he replaced them both. Genesis 40 and 41, verse 53 through 57, and 44, verse 2 through 5. This, of course, carries over into the bread and wine of Holy Communion. After the fall of man, plants provided not only food, but also medicine. The Bible signifies this by saying that fruit is for food and leaves for healing. And by the river on its banks, on one side and on the other, will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, and their fruit will not fail. They will bear every month because their water flows from the sanctuary, and their fruit will be for food, and their leaves for healing. Ezekiel 47, verse 12. Revelation 22, verse 2. Psalm 1, verse 3. In terms of biblical symbolism, these trees are the saints, fed by the spiritual waters of the sanctuary, and healing the nations of the world by the gospel. Genesis 2 says that the trees provide beauty, and after the fall, part of that beauty is shade from the burning sun.
The Bible refers to this in several striking symbolic passages. In Ezekiel 17, verse 23, Israel is pictured as a great tree whose shady ministry attracts the birds of the nations. On the high mountain of Israel I shall plant it, that it may bring forth bows and bear fruit, and become a stately cedar, and birds of every wing will dwell under it. They will dwell in the shade of its branches. The cedar here is Israel, because the temple on Mount Moriah was made of cedar wood, 1 Kings verse 6. The birds are the nations. Jesus repeated this parable in Matthew 13 verse 31 through 32, but spoke of a mustard seed, showing that the kingdom was going to shift from the old covenant cedar to a new planting. Mark 4 verse 30 through 32 and Luke 13 verse 18 through 19. In Jonah 4, Assyria is pictured as a suddenly sprouting plant that would provide shade for Israel. Jonah had been reluctant to preach to Nineveh, fearing that God would convert those people and thereby raise them up as a powerful nation. He knew that Israel deserved judgment and that God had threatened to take the gospel to another nation, thereby raising it up as a weapon to punish Israel, Deuteronomy 32, verse 31. Sure enough, the people of Nineveh repented at the preaching of Jonah, and Jonah was horrified. In spite of her sins, Jonah loved wayward Israel and hated to see the gospel taken from her to the Gentiles. Compare Paul, Romans 9 through 11. Jonah went outside the city to wait and see what God would do. So the Lord God appointed a plant, and it grew up over Jonah to be a shade over his head to deliver him from his discomfort. And Jonah was extremely happy about the plant. But God appointed a worm when dawn came the next day, and it attacked the plant, and it withered. And it came about when the sun came up that God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on Jonah's head, so that he became faint and begged with all his soul to die, saying, Death is better to me than life. Jonah 4, verse 6 through 8. The plant represented Assyria. Its sudden sprouting represented the conversion of Assyria. Such a converted nation would be sure to bless Israel in terms of Abrahamic covenant, Genesis 12, verse 3 and thus would provide shade for Jonah, Israel. In time, however, the serpent would attack the roots of Assyria, and that nation would apostatize, and would indeed become a threat to Israel, as Jonah had feared. Israel would experience the scorching heat of God's wrath. God did promise to restore Israel, however. The promise was made through Hosea, and again employed arboreal or tree-like imagery. I will be like the dew to Israel. He will blossom like the lily, and he will strike his roots like the cedars of Lebanon. His shoots will sprout, and his beauty will be like the olive tree, and his fragrance like the cedars of Lebanon. Those who live in his shadow will again raise grain, and they will blossom like the vine. His renown will be like the wine of Lebanon. O Ephraim, what more have I to do with idols? It is I who answer and look after you. I am like a luxuriant cypress. From me comes your fruit. Hosea 14, verse 5 through 8. It is interesting to note the temple imagery that comes through here, because the olive, cypress, and cedar were the three woods used in the temple, while the bronze pillars and bronze sea were decorated as lilies. 1 Kings 6 and 7, verse 19, 26. Note also again the association of grain, bread, and the vine, wine. We should also note that God compares himself to a tree here, the Bible does not refer to God as a tree as often as it does to God as a rock, but this is one instance of it. The shade of the tree canopy recalls the shade of God's glory cloud, Isaiah 4, verse 5-6, through 6, 
and the shade of the mighty rock. As we shall see, the tree in the Bible is a common picture of a ladder to heaven, with the glory canopy at the top. In summary, the primary aspects of the tree to which the Bible calls attention are food and medicine, beauty and shade. The picture of the blessed and happy Israelite is found in 1 Kings 4, verse 25. So Judah and Israel lived in safety, every man under his vine and his fig tree. God manifests at trees. At first glance, there do not seem to be many arboreal theophanies, appearances of God in or at trees, in the Bible. But there are more than we might think. The key that unlocks this imagery is found in Exodus 3, verse 1-5. through 5. Now Moses was pasturing the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness, and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of the bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. So Moses said, Let me turn aside now, and see this great sight, why thy bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Stop coming near here. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. There are several important things to notice here. First, this takes place on God's mountain. We have already taken note of the prophecies of Ezekiel and Hosea concerning God's planting a tree on his mountain and we have associated this with the wood of the temple. There are typological parallels between those later statements and this event. Second, the burning fire in the bush is to be correlated with the burning fire of God's glory cloud as it later appeared on the same mountain at the time of the giving of the law. Exodus 19, verse 16 through 18, and Genesis 15, verse 17. It is God's glory that is in the midst of the bush. Deuteronomy 33, verse 16. Third, the environment around the bush is said to be holy ground. This is only true of God's sanctuary. Later, Mount Sinai will be holy ground, and then the tabernacle and temple precincts. These things stand in typological line. The burning wooden bush of glory on Mount Horeb becomes the burning glory atop Mount Sinai, same mountain, then the glory cloud inside the wooden tabernacle, and then the glory cloud inside the wooden temple on Mount Moriah, Zion. Thus, God reveals himself in connection with trees and woods frequently in the Bible, because the tabernacle and the temple, made of wood, arborescent theophanies. As we have already mentioned, and as will become clear as we proceed, the tabernacle and temple are actually symbols of God's host gathered around him. Trees stand for people, and thus the wood of the tabernacle and temple stand for people. The gold overlay on this wood means that God's host is glorified. God's cloud is made up of his heavenly hosts around him. God's people are like stones of fire arrayed as a rainbow around him. Now we see that God's people are also like a planting of trees around him. With this in mind, we can understand one more dimension to the burning bush. The bush represents Israel in the furnace of Egyptian affliction, an affliction actually caused by God's refining fire. The fire of God's glory would purify them in the furnace of Egypt. Exodus 3, verse 7. Once we see that wood cut from trees can represent God's presence among his people, we can see Moses' and Aaron's rods as arboraceous manifestations of God's glory and power, particularly of the arm of God. Plagues, Exodus 4, verse 2 through 5, and 7, 
verse 10 through 12, 15, 17, 20, and 8, verse 5, 16, 9, verse 3, 8, 15, 2 through 23, 10, verse 12 through 13, Red Sea, Exodus, 14, verse 16, 21, 26, Water from the Rock, Exodus 17, verse 5 through 6, Numbers 20, verse 8 through 9, Defeat of Amalek, Exodus 17, verse 11, Aaron's Rod Blossoms, Numbers 17, the hyssop branch, so often used in bringing cleansing, resurrecting water to those symbolically dead and uncleanness, should also be associated with God's power. Exodus 12, verse 22, Leviticus 14, verse 4, 6, 49 through 52, Numbers 19, verse 6, 18, Psalm 51, verse 7, Hebrews 9, verse 19. We can mention also the use of oil from trees, especially olive oil, in connection with God's glory manifestation. All the furniture of the tabernacle was anointed with special olive oil. Exodus 30, verse 22 through 33. And olive oil was burned to provide the glory light in the tabernacle lampstand. Leviticus 24, verse 1 through 4, and Zechariah 4, verse 3, 11 through 12. The holiest parts of the temple were made of olive wood. 1 Kings 6, verse 23, 31 through 34. And the New Covenant involves the rejection of Mount Zion and the shift to the Mount of Olives. Zechariah 14, verse 4, Matthew 24, verse 3, 26, verse 30, Acts 1, verse 12. But most interesting is the institutionalized burning bush, the golden lampstand in the tabernacle and temple. The lampstand was a stylized almond tree that burned with fire, Exodus 25, verse 31 through 40, and 37, verse 17 through 24. We can hardly avoid the connection with the burning bush. The word for the shaft of the lampstand is literally reed. Such reeds represent people, as in 2 Kings 18, verse 21, Isaiah 36, verse 6, and Ezekiel 29, verse 6 through 7, all of which refer to Pharaoh, since Egypt was a land of reeds. A reference to the lampstand as an image of people is found in a famous verse, Isaiah 42, verse 3. A bruised reed he will not break, and a dimly burning wick he will not extinguish. The idea of a dimly burning wick of the lampstand about to go out occurs elsewhere in the Bible. Just before the tabernacle was destroyed, we found out that the lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. 1 Samuel 3, verse 3. Shortly after this event, the lamp of God's revelation dwindled further as the ark was captured and the high priest died. David and his heirs, God's oil-anointed kings, are often spoken of as lamps that need to be sustained. 2 Samuel 21, verse 17, 1 Kings 11, verse 36, and 15, verse 4. Given the connection between lamps and trees, we also find David's line spoken of as a tree, the root and shoot of Jesse. Isaiah 4, verse 2, and 6, verse 13, and 11, verse 10, 12. Jeremiah 23, verse 5, 33, verse 15, Zechariah 4, verse 3, 6 through 10, 14, and Ezekiel 17, verse 22 through 23, Romans 15, verse 12. The Messiah is the true lampstand. He is the very word of God, the tree of life, the lamp to our feet. 2 Samuel 22, verse 29, Psalm 119, verse 105. The tree has ladders to heaven. 
Having seen God manifest in connection with trees and the Messiah as a tree of life, let us look now at trees as ladders to heaven. We can easily visualize a tree as a ladder to heaven, with the bottom as the beginning of the ladder, the trunk as the ladder proper, and the leafy crown on top as the glory cloud of heaven. Is this a biblical image, however, or is it just one that we have dreamed up? Clearly, it is biblical. The place to begin is the most famous counterfeit tree ladder found in Daniel 4. There, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream of himself as a tree of life. The tree grew large and became strong, and its heights reached to the sky, and it was visible to the end of the whole earth. Its foliage was beautiful, and its fruit abundant, and in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it, and the birds of the sky dwelt in its branches, and all living creatures fed themselves from it. Daniel 4, verse 11 through 12. God ordered that this presumptuous tower of Babel tree be cut down, with only a stump remaining. Daniel 4, verse 14 through 15. This meant that Nebuchadnezzar would be bestially insane for seven years to teach him not to play God. Daniel 4, verse 16, 20 through 33. Just as the tower of Babel was a counterfeit ladder to heaven, so Jacob's visionary ladder was a true one. Genesis 28, verse 12 through 17. Babylon means gate of heaven, and at the foot of Jacob's ladder was a true gate of heaven. Verse 17. Just so, if Nebuchadnezzar's ladder tree was a counterfeit, there must also be a true ladder tree. The true ladder is the Messiah. Jesus said to Nathanael, You shall see the heavens open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man, referring to Jacob's vision. John 1, verse 51. But also, in context, Jesus stresses that Nathanael has been sitting under a fig tree, John 1, verse 48, verse 50. The fig tree, a symbol of Israel as God's priestly nation, is correlated with the ladder of heaven, with the true Israel, Jesus Christ. I need to mention something briefly here that we shall take up in more detail later. Altars and pillar stones are also ladders to heaven. This is because they are miniature holy mountains, and the holy mountain is a ladder to heaven. The Tower of Babel, a ziggurat, and the pyramids of Egypt were counterfeit holy mountains. The holy mountain has God's glory at the top, the glory heaven. The altar and pillar represent this. We shall come back to this in detail later. I mention it now to point up the association of altars and trees in the patriarchal era. Abram built a worship altar, a ladder to heaven, at Shechem, and this is associated with the tree. Genesis 12, verse 6, 35, verse 4, Joshua 24, verse 25, Judges 9, verse 6. The same is true of Abram and Mamre. Genesis 13, verse 18, 14, verse 13, 18, verse 1. At Beersheba, Genesis 21, verse 33, and of Jacob at Bethel, Genesis 28, verse 18, 22, 35, verse 7, 8, and 14. These were terebinth oaks, trees that had massive trunks and huge cloud-like canopies. Also, note that God fed Elijah under a broom tree, and from there led him to the holy mountain Horeb, 1 Kings 19, verse 4, 5, and 7. The gate or entry of the city was the place where the law courts were held, Deuteronomy 17, verse 5, 22, verse 15, 24. Ruth 4 verse 1, etc. The gate or forecourt of the tabernacle was where God executed judgment upon the animal substitutes in the sacrificial system. Leviticus 1 verse 3, etc. And as we shall see later on, this area was the foot of the symbolic holy mountain, 
and thus the bottom of the ladder, the gate of heaven. The association of the gate, then, is with judgment. We find the same association with trees. As the ladder to heaven, the base of the tree is the gate. Thus, Deborah set up her chair of judgment at the palm tree of Deborah. Judges 4, verse 4-5 through 5. Joash, the Abiezrite, held court and conducted false worship at an oak. Judges 6, verse 11, 12, 19, 21, 30 through 32. Saul held court at a pomegranate tree. 1 Samuel 14, verse 2. And at a tamarisk tree. 1 Samuel 22, verse 6. Of course, there are plenty of counterfeit ladder trees, and the Bible condemns false worship when conducted under leafy trees. Deuteronomy 12, verse 2. Isaiah 57, verse 5 through 7, Jeremiah 2, verse 20, 3, verse 6, 17, verse 2. But these are only counterfeits of the truth. In this connection, it remains only to note that since both altars and trees are ladders to heaven, a tree can be an altar. The illustration of this is the cross of Christ, whose four extremities correlate to the four horns of the altar. As blood was put on the four horns of the altar, the four corners of the earth, so the blood of Christ was on the four ends of the cross, head, hands, and feet. The cross is our altar and our ladder to heaven, God's grove. We have noted that God's people are spoken of as trees. Genesis 2 sets up the connection by saying that both men and trees come out of the ground. Genesis 2, verse 7, 9. We have mentioned already such passages as Psalm 1 and Judges 9, where trees symbolize men. An interesting sidelight on the symbolism is provided in Mark 8, verse 24, where the blind man healed by our Lord initially saw men as trees walking. Trees represent men, and trees are found in association with men. Such associations often convey imagery to us, and so let us briefly trace this imagery as it appears in Scripture. To begin with, of course, is the Garden of Eden, a planting of trees and also the first planting of humanity. Cast from Eden... Man could only expect a scorching sun. It is a sign of God's blessing whenever we find the righteous dwelling at groves of trees. In the patriarchal era, the tree that stands out is a terebinth or oak. Abraham, in particular, is pictured dwelling among oaks. Genesis 12, verse 6, 13, verse 18, 14, verse 13, 18, verse 1. All mistranslated plain in the A.V. in Genesis 35, verse 4, 8. When Israel entered the land, she was reminded that she was but following in the footsteps of Abram, who had lived at the oaks of Morah, Deuteronomy 11, verse 30. In the Mosaic era, while other trees were mentioned from time to time, the tree that seems to stand out is the palm. God's placing of Israel in the land of Canaan is repeatedly spoken of in Edenic terms as his planting, his grove of trees, Exodus 15, verse 17, Numbers 24, verse 6, 2 Samuel 7, verse 10, Psalm 44, verse 2, 80, verse 8 through 12, Isaiah 5, verse 2, 7, 60, verse 21, 61, verse 3, Jeremiah 2, verse 21, 12, verse 10, 24, verse 6, Amos 9, verse 15. This grove of human trees around God's arboraceous footstool, for the ark was made of wood, overlaid with gold, was celebrated annually at the Feast of Tabernacles when Israel was commanded. Now on the first day you shall take for yourselves the foliage of beautiful trees, palm branches, and boughs of leafy trees and willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. You shall dwell in the booths, tabernacles, 
for seven days. All of the native born in Israel shall dwell in booths or tabernacles. Leviticus 23, verse 40 and 42. Of course, the tabernacle itself was built of boards, acacia wood this time, and pillars covered with gold, a symbol of God's glorified human hosts. Exodus 26, verse 15 through 25, 32, 37, and Galatians 2, verse 9, and Revelation 3, verse 12. The divine forester not only plants his trees, but also planes them, fitting each into his house. It was no accident that our Lord was a carpenter. He is both a planter and a harvester builder, both Alpha and Omega, both the creator of history and the governor of destiny. When Israel came out of Egypt, she encamped at Elam, where there were twelve springs of water and seventy date palms. Exodus 15, verse 27, Numbers 33, verse 9. In my opinion, the twelve springs here stand for the twelve tribes, and the seventy palms for the seventy nations of the world, Genesis 10, who are to be fed by Israel. It was Israel's mission to give grace to the world, a mission she generally failed to carry out. Such spiritual water would grow new palms to replace the old. The first city destroyed by Israel and Canaan was Jericho, known as the city of palm trees. Second Chronicles 28, verse 15, Judges 1, verse 16, 3, Verse 13. Once the counterfeit city of palm trees was destroyed, God began to grow his own. Fittingly, Deborah judged Israel under a palm tree. Judges 4, verse 5. When finally grown, the true city of palm trees was the temple, which was frescoed with palms all around inside, representing God's arboreal host. 1 Kings 6, verse 29. Ezekiel 41, verse 18 through 20. Psalm 92. Verse 12 through 14, Psalm 52, verse 8. If the palm predominated during the Mosaic era, the cedar comes to the fore during the Davidic. The palm trees carved in the temple were carved out of cedar wood. Cedar predominated in the temple as the second most holy wood, 1 Kings 5 through 7. The most holy wood was the olive, used for the most holy places, and the least holy was the cypress, used for the outer areas. We have already taken note of Ezekiel 17, which prophecies concerning the Davidic house in cedar terms. The Davidic covenant itself can be associated with the cedar, while the temple and palace complex is associated with cedar, olive, and cypress. With the destruction of the temple, the kingdom moved into a period of outward humility, but inward glory. See chapter 16. The myrtle tree receives notice during the post-exilic period. God had prophesied renewal in terms of the myrtle, Isaiah 55, verse 13, and Nehemiah added it to the list of trees used for the Feast of Tabernacles, Nehemiah 8, verse 15. Zechariah saw Israel as a myrtle grove, Zechariah 1, verse 8 through 11, and it is doubtless no accident that Queen Esther's original Hebrew name was Myrtle, Hadassah, and Esther 2, verse 7. In the New Covenant, we have another shift. Jesus repeated the parable of the cedar tree from Ezekiel 17, but transferred it to the mustard, a tree without any Old Testament associations. Matthew 13, verse 31 through 32. Mark 4, verse 30 through 32. Luke 13, verse 18 through 19. This must have offended his first audience, for they would have taken it as a deliberate assault on their hopes for a revived Davidic monarchy. Jesus was announcing that his kingdom would be of a different sort as different as a humble mustard from the mighty cedar. We have mentioned already Jesus' shift from cedar to olive, 
the most holy wood. Thus, mustard and olives seem to be preeminently associated with the New Covenant. Of course, none of these images is exclusive. Throughout, we find references to vine and fig tree, as well as to many others. Conclusion Certainly, the Bible enables us to view trees through new eyes, but this is not really new for Christians. Each year, most Christians set up a tree in their homes. The Christmas tree has its origins in the medieval paradise tree, decorated with apples, and the North European Christmas light, a tree-like stand decorated with bows and candles. The stylized fruits, balls, and ornaments of our Christmas tree and its electric lights still speak of glory and beauty and point us to the nativity of Christ, the tree of life. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows, or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit reconstructionistradio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His kingdom.